Whether you're an independent artist looking to take their career to the next level, or you're a fan that just loves to discover new artists and new original music, making a scene has exactly what you're looking for. For the indie artist, we have articles on music business, gear reviews, recording techniques, and interviews with industry professionals. For the fan, we introduce you to new artists every day with our in-depth artist interviews and insightful CD reviews. Nobody gives you more. Making a Scene truly is the number one resource for the indie artists and the fans that love them. Go to makingascene.org and become part of the indie revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Little G. Weevil. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. All right, ladies and gents, and now this is a song by my daddy, who was uh, forced to leave uh, his family country farm during communism back in the 50s. And uh, they all had to move to the city and work in the factory. Yeah, I am the 
playing my guitar Cause my daddy made the one he loved Stay strong, God will give you what you dream about Stay strong, God will give you what you dream about No matter yellow, green, black or white
Yes, yes, yes. We are mind on dance, baby. And that was Little G Weevil from his brand new release. And uh, we got Little G on the line right now. Hey, Little G, how are you? Good, good. How are you, Richard? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, so we, we always like to kind of reacquaint our fans with, you know, where you came from, your history, and how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Little G Weevil. Oh, my. Uh, from the very beginning? Really? Uh, well, um, I, I, w- I was born and raised in Budapest, uh, Hungary. And um, I started playing uh, music. Uh, actually, matter of fact, I started, uh, started out on drums at the age of 11. And then I switched to guitar at, at 16. I fell in love with, uh, with the blues, specifically the uh, Afro-American blues. And um, I, I, from that point on, I, I knew what I wanted wanted to be, you know, when I grew up. So um, um, I became a full-time blues musician in my, in my country and started gigging around the, the country and neighboring countries, uh, Central Europe. And then um, in 2004, I decided to relocate to the United States. So um, I landed in Birmingham, Alabama. Then I uh, spent like maybe nine months, maybe there, eight, nine, something like that. And I moved up to Memphis and um, uh, started digging on, on Bill Street. And, uh, and uh, some, some sad story happened. Uh, uh, my drummer died uh, during the performance and uh, that really hit me hard. So I decided to, to, to go back and just take some time out so i went back to 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 hungary for a few months then uh uh i ended up in london then then uh, that was around like 2006 and and uh, when i released my first very first solo album under the liturgy weevil name um i started touring and uh, i got uh, an invitation back uh to the united states and um when i went back man i'll tell you uh, I was like, okay, I have to come back here. So uh, in July '09, uh, I moved back and I resided in uh, Atlanta and spent a good uh, 10 years in Atlanta. And that's uh, here comes uh, 2018, December 2018, when my, my father got ill. So um, I'm back in Hungary now. Okay. Um, so, and here we are. Here we are. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, this new release. Now, this is a live release. Um, what was your goal for this? Why, why put out a live release at this point? Well, uh, this is my eighth solo album, and uh, it was not planned uh, whatsoever. So basically, um, uh, during the lockdown, the COVID-19 lockdown, we were like four months into the, the lockdown curfew and everything. No in and out after 8 p.m. So it was terrible and um, and boring. And um, one day I just received a phone call from uh, uh, this record label, Hungarian record label, Humia Records. Uh, Robert Hunka is, is uh, the record label CEO. And um, he had this idea. He was like, gee, uh, 
nobody can go out we can't listen to live music um etc etc why don't you just come into the studio and um do a live acoustic set for me and we just record you like you're playing a live gig and we'll see we go from there and um, that's what i did basically so um it was a sunday i remember and i just walked into the studio uh no gigs for four months you know uh even my acoustic guitar was not studio ready so i had to borrow one <laughs> for the recording for the recording but um I was nervous too. I was nervous too. So uh, no lie, I, I popped uh, a, a beer. I was like, man, I had to get rid of this nervousness. So um, I was like, okay, let me have this beer and I sit down. And I sat down and, and uh, played 17 songs. And um, and uh, the feedback of the digital we digitally released this uh, these 17 songs in April, but the feedbacks were so great. Um, so the record label decided to put it out on CD, and the CD release was was uh, just a few weeks ago. Okay. Well, you know, let's talk about one of the things that you're known for is being a songwriter. Um, when you sit down to begin that process of writing, wh what is your mechanism that allows you to kind of get the gears going and, and tap into the muse? I think it's very sim simple. So um, usually, I just sit down. Uh, um, I come up with something on the guitar, and uh, that groove or, or melody inspires the uh, vocal melody, and just I start humming, you know, the vocals, and um, I come up with the right rhythm, and then um, for that rhythm, I create the lyrics. Um, whatever pops in, in my mind, you know. Uh, so um, usually I write about things um, I, I deal with in everyday life or, or what I'm interested about, you know. Uh, uh, so that's what you hear, basically. There, there's no made-up story in none of my songs. So when you go through all the eight albums, 99% um, um, you find original songs and, and the basically you can... Uh, uh, follow my life, my 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 love relationships, my uh, story of my kids, my parents, everything, everything basically in the, in the lyrics. Okay. Now, um, English is your second language. Uh, how difficult is it for you to write uh, lyrics in English? You know, especially blues. You know, lyrics uh, as opposed to you know in your native language. Um. I don't know. It, it, um, you know, obviously, uh, as my English uh, evolved over the years, the lyrics got better. Um, the, the first two uh, uh, albums, you know, mostly, you know, there was just like love things, but um, in the lyrics. But um, you know, I picked up all the English and basically on the streets, so I did not have a professional education because you know I'm the last generation um, behind the Iron Curtain so we had to uh, uh, study Russian so um, I learned English on my own basically when I moved to the States uh, I had the bare basics down everything else I picked up from from people around me and um, I don't know I would love to believe it's okay um, I guess so far so good. So now I, I, I don't have any issues uh, touching on any topic anymore. 
but but I do keep the the lyrics sort of uh, simple, not only because the the uh, the language barrier or anything, but but I want them to be singable. Right. You know, so I don't go. Yeah. So um, yeah. Okay. So. Um you know, a lot of songwriters, they've embraced technology, you know, using their cell phone to capture ideas, uh, a home recording studio to lay out structures. What are some of the tools that you use when you sit down to write? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm a to- totally an anti-high-tech person, so um, I don't have none of these fancy studio equipments what what today's kids use um i have a a a recorder or my cell phone and basically i just uh record my guitar and my vocal and and that's it really uh even when when i work with 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 the band um i put down the basics like this and then um before rehearsing with the band i i I do go to a to a guy into studio and basically we we put down the the the, the drum and bass plans you know the 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 basic stuff but as far as as um um one guitar music or one man's music i just i just record my stuff just like 20 years ago okay well let's talk about that process um of going into the studio and and recording uh, I know that you're you're dabbling now or, or moving into working as a producer for other artists now. Um, right. What is kind of your process when you go into the studio, um, either for yourself or even for another artist, that allows you to capture the sound that you want for that particular song or project? Um. Oh, it's 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 quite a quite long a long story, but uh, basically the the artist I, I, I work with I sort of um, select very carefully. So uh, I write the songs, and uh, I do have some sort of a, a message in mind. But um, uh, right now I'm working with uh, Dion Bennett, and uh, I met Dion Bennett uh, in 2018. But I came across her music in 2013, so I've been just watching her, you know, from the distance. And um, so, and we we met uh, in 2018 uh, here in Budapest for for a gig. And uh, basically, it took three years to to really get to know Dion and what she's about, not only as a musician but as a person. So I can really customize the music. Uh, personalize the music and the lyrics for her, you know, and and I've, it it was an absolutely privilege and, and a, a pleasure working with uh, Dion, and I think the album came out fantastic. Um, my my previous album uh, under Lilo Lilo name was was the play on album, and when uh, basically I, I only sang two songs or three maybe. And um, the rest of the songs, um, this is an electric band album, the uh, rest of the songs were done by uh, uh, various singers, Hungarians or, or English, like uh, Dion Bennett and Ian Siegel. And, um, you know, I just go into, I do research, you know, about the person who, who is going to sing the song and what they uh, um, talk about these days, what, what 
could be in their heads, you know. So I don't like this. I don't like a, a product of music that is very. You can smell that it's it's produced. You know, somebody else is the writer. You know, and I think um, so far, so far, I, I'd love to believe that I do a good job on this. So I really go into the the singers' everyday life to to get the the right topic and the right melody. Um, so you know something like this now um when you write a song one of the things i think uh, that trips up a lot of songwriters is when to put that pen down when to determine when a song is finished you know you can you can write a song to death and and actually suck the life out of it you got to get to that point where you stop writing and move it into production what is that process for you well, uh, honestly, it, 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 it's obviously it, it happens in the studio, and, um, and you're very right about this. You know, yeah, you can you can um, arrange a song in a thousand different ways. You know, um, I, I work with a with a uh, steady team of about fourteen, fifteen people, and um, thankfully uh, they they uh, also very very creative. So. Um, Basically, when uh, um, I don't like to make it difficult, so when you feel when you feel that it's 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 all together, nothing is nothing else missing at that point, and I let it rest for a few days or maybe a week, and uh, and and not listen to the song. I go back listen to the song a, a week later, and when it makes me move, then we're done. You know, when I find something like oh here, and then then you know I have to go back and maybe. Uh, work a little bit more on it, but but it's good when you when you work days and weeks on on, on one particular song and uh, and then you let it rest a little bit, refresh your ears, and when you go back and listen to it after a week and and it hits you and makes you move and groove, you know, then then it's done. Okay, now um, let's talk about um, the the business. Um, we're looking now at a consumer that no longer looks at recorded music as a product. It's now a service that's available on their phone. They've embraced streaming as a way to consume music. How has that affected you as an artist? Terribly. <laughs> Briefly. Um, it's... it's um I don't want to be negative, but but obviously it it it's, it really hits us hard, you know, um, because um, the product sales, CD or vinyl sales, were were, were a big um, uh, portion of uh, our incomes, and now it's basically almost gone. Um, so we all, all we have is is basically making money is from live performances, and. If if you get lucky, you get some copyrights. Maybe after the performance, I mean the royalties after the performances. But uh, I don't know where where this is going to go. Um, I have a fear. I'm, I, I try to be optimistic. I had a phone conversation today with a uh, one one like uh, big name promoters over here, and uh, I, I told him like, look, that this is has this has to come back. This has to come back. Look, the vinyl is, is doing the game, man. Uh, maybe in, in 10, 15 years, the CD is going to come back again. He was like, no. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, thanks. Um, so it is what it is, you know, we can't stop working, I can't stop creating. So um, I, I say, I always say like, like it, it, sometimes it feels like music became some, some sort of a, a disposable garbage, you know, um, because of this uh, digital uh, platforms, but, but what can I do and what can we do, you know, I don't know, 15 years went by and, and it, 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 it doesn't seem to stop, so it's just going to go on us and we have to learn to live with it. Well, you know, um, when the pandemic hit, uh, a lot of artists went on to the internet and they started doing live streams, they started uh, creating content uh, from their homes. And the fans mm-hmm. got a chance to see the environment that the artist lives in you know their living room their bedroom their porch or whatever the case may be and it started this or accelerated let's put it this way it accelerated the world of content creation in that um that has become part of this whole streaming technology and the way to consume consume music you know, fans used to be able to, you know, just go up on Spotify, create a playlist, and that was it. But now they want more. They want to connect with the artist. They want to connect with them on social media. They want to feel that they're known by the artist, that you have that connection, a personal yeah. connection to the artist, where they're vested, invested in, into them. And it's and it's gotten to the point where the 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 product is no longer just the music the product is the brand that you know artists now have to brand themselves and that people invest into the brand you know what i mean absolutely absolutely um uh to be honest with you i'm um i'm not part of this this movement so i'm not a fan of this this um very very personal connection so uh, i hope i'm i'm not offending anyone but i'm 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 totally against this this sort of uh um musician life or or marketing or you call it whatever you want it um I understand that uh, uh, people want to see, people want to uh, connect, and all that stuff. Uh, and I remember when this video uh, started, everybody, everybody requested uh, a home video. Gee, why don't you do a home video? Why don't you do? And I was totally, and I am still totally against it um, because it's bad quality. Um, um, I like to be on stage when I perform. You know, uh, I mean, this is my home. This is my, you know, my, my own environment, my personal space. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. And m- most importantly, uh, uh, I wanted, to me, it's all about the music, 110%. So I want it to sound good, you know. So if I do a, 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 a live streaming, I might as well go into the studio and I do it um from the studio when it sounds good so just to record with, with a cell phone or whatever that's, that's totally not it can be it can be okay once or twice you know you know but but um if i if I, if people get used to it who's gonna come to my concerts 
You know, at the end of the day, no, you know, that, that's, that's my point of view. So I was, I'm, you know, I'm not, it's, this, this concept is only good uh, uh, for the major, major corporations and artists. You know, when they, you know, when they stream and they're, you know, I don't know, 50 million people watching, you know, and they might get a dime after that. But, you know, we don't really, you know, so it's like basically what's happening is like I'm, um, I'm playing my music, I'm not getting paid for it, and when it comes to my gig, you know, uh, half of the people are not coming because they've seen me already, you know, uh, uh, from home. So, I, um, I don't want to be part of this movement, you know. I, like, I, again, I apologize. I hope I'm not offending anyone, but I don't. I, I think it's a very, very bad concept. Well, you know, I, I think um, there's more to it than just doing live streams. Um, you know, there there is the the interaction with the fans, um, you know, on social media, and doing things and showing the fans who the artist is beyond the music. Um, beyond who they are, you know, uh, as on stage, who they are off stage. Um, you know, I mean, Taylor Swift is great with that, where she, you know, she trolls the internet and finds fans, super fans, and invites them to her house to listen to a new project before it's released. You know, you've got Tim McGraw who goes up on TikTok and finds uh, people that are covering his songs. And comments on them and said, hey, that's a great vocal and, you know, that's a great arrangement or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, even David Grohl doing drum battles with an 11-year-old girl drummer and then bringing her on stage at a Foo Fighters concert and performing with her, you know. Um, these are all going towards the branding of the artist as not just a persona on stage, but a full-fledged uh, persona, full-fledged brand that people can invest in. You know, when they drive by that marquee and they see, you know, Little G Weevil on the marquee, they can say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with him on TikTok or, you know, Facebook or, you know, Instagram or, you know, I, I you know, he does this, this and that. And, you know, that's really cool because I do it too. You know, and then that might just move them into, you know, buying a ticket. And coming to see you, you know. Um, maybe uh, I'm not. You know, I'm not uh, here to argue with you at all. Um, no, and I and, and and I know I see myself. A lot of people do it. Um, um, I was always told that I should be doing it too. Uh, but but um, to be honest with you, some somehow I've, I've never been good at this. Um, Every now and then, I, I, I do some kind of um, a little video, like. But to be, I don't even remember the last time I did. It's just, just not me. Uh, I just, uh, I can't. I can't. I'm some, some, some I just not working for me. So, I, I believe in 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 uh, a quality performance in a quality uh, uh, in a quality venue or, or club when when the sound is good the light is good and and uh, you come out and you see me in person everybody knows that you know I'm, I, I love people and I love hanging out let's do that at the gig but um, 
it's, this is just not me. Look, I'm, I'm 44, you know, I don't have TikTok and I'm not going to have TikTok. Um, um, so I, I have this Facebook page, the Instagram, I do post, but um, uh, I don't even go into politics anymore or any kind of uh, uh, big topics because, uh, you know, this world today is way too sensitive. So I just post my gigs and, and um, maybe I touch on, on music related stuff and I want to keep it that way. I used to used to be one of those uh, smart tellers, you know, who always comment on, on stuff because I wanted to convince people to do the right thing and whatever. But I see too many of us out there like that, you know, people want to convince one another, you know, and, and um, I just want to focus on the music really. And, and maybe I'm the, I'm the odd one out, but I'm, I'm fine, fine with that. You know? okay. no, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a long time since I've had a chance to talk to you, and it's been a while since I've seen you. Um, so, you know, we're going to give everyone out there uh, an indie blues double shot from your new release. And uh, you guys you. are going to love it, man. Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We'll have some fun. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate you. I cut this tool on the first record. Mm. This one is called Place a Dollar in My Hand. That's when you throw some money in the tip jar.
Lucy, give it to me right. Give it on my loving. All she do is for some fire. South. And now, let me, let me try a tune called On My Way to Memphis, if I still remember. Baby. 
Whether you're an independent artist looking to take their career to the next level, or you're a fan that just loves to discover new artists and new original music, making a scene has exactly what you're looking for. For the indie artist, we have articles on music business, gear reviews, recording techniques, and interviews with industry professionals. For the fan, we introduce you to new artists every day with our in-depth artist interviews and insightful CD reviews. Nobody gives you more. Making a Scene truly is the number one resource for the indie artists and the fans that love them. Go to makingascene.org and become part of the indie revolution. Shout now, honey! 